Hello everyone, my name is Megan Lavoda and thank you for listening to Psyche Design. Today I'm going to be discussing what is a personality type pattern. Now I'm going to do my best to keep this conversation casual, but also throw a lot of info at you. Um, that's a big question and so it's going to be pretty impossible to answer it like very comprehensively but also like in a way that's just super concise right off the bat. So, but I just wanted to address this, especially if you are new to personality type, um, the MBTI, the 16 holistic type patterns, any of that. Because when we think of the word personality, there's a lot that might come to mind. You might be thinking about your behaviors, your traits, um, the way that you engage with the world around you. And there are many theories about personality and what makes us tick as humans. Um, the Enneagram theory is one theory of personality that has been picking up steam a lot in recent years. And the Enneagram describes nine types that are characterized by their core fears, and that core emotion is what drives the behavior and drives the behavioral patterns that you see, um, which makes up their personality. But there's many layers to personality. Um, Enneagram is just one layer. Um, then there's also the big five, which is very popular in psychology and scientific communities, where there's these big main five traits that um, humans could be, and these change over time. You could be more extroverted over time or more introverted over time. There's openness to experience versus not so much open to experience. These traits exist on a continuum, and they also can kind of, they, they describe behavior, but they also um, are they imply that these are also like skills that you can that, that change over time. Whereas the MBTI in uh, Carl Jung's theory of psychological types implies that there is something core and something innate um, that doesn't change. And so it's a completely different way of looking at personality from how the big five looks at personality. It's also very different than how Enneagram looks at personality because Enneagram is looking at a core emotion or value and the behavioral patterns that are tied directly to that feeling. And the 16 cognitive types and those um, personality patterns, um, which just to clarify what I'm talking about here, it, you know, was inspires, it was inspired by Carl Jung's psychological types. Then um, Myers and Briggs developed the MBTI that we know today in uh, corporate world and pop culture. That was inspired by the uh, main psychological types, but now we're, it's 2021. It has um, been basically a hundred years since Jung uh, came up with this whole theory. Uh, you know, Young wasn't even the first person to come up with extrovert and introvert. So we've been, humans have been trying to understand personality and what makes us tick 
for a really, really long time. And nowadays in 2021, we don't just have the MBTI. Um, there is the Association for Psychological Type International, as well as other organizations where there are many experts that both use the MBTI and also other similar models that are also trying to test for the 16 core cognitive type patterns. So there's this, there's the test of MBTI and then there is the core theory behind it where there are the 16 cognitive type patterns that is very different from Enneagram. So to kind of compare to Enneagram, uh, as I was just saying, there's this fear and then there's a behavior that is attached to it. And so if you are trying to understand Enneagram, it might be easier to pick up the behavioral patterns in your friends because it's something that you could see. I mean, behavior is something that is easy to measure. It's it's right there. You could be affected by it. You could see it happen. Um, but the cognitive type, a cognitive type pattern, it exists. It originates in the psyche. And it drives the way we make decisions and the way we process information. So um, your personality type pattern will not necessarily, there's not going to be a direct link between your literal behavior and what your type pattern is. There's also not a direct link with um, your traits and the skills you've acquired and your talents. There's not a direct link between your personality type pattern and all of those things. But what your personality type pattern does tell you is over time, um, ever since you were born, ever since you have been a being and existed, there is a core way in which you prefer to process information and a core way in which you interact with the outer worlds and how your inner world responds. And also, um, so how you process information and then how you make decisions about that um, information. What judgment tool are you using? Um, you know, in, in the past and in other theories, you might think of it as, are you more left brain or are you more right brained? Uh, but now there are actually neuroscience studies from Dario Nardi um, and I'm sure others, I'm not, not sure if there are others actually, but there might be others, but Dario Nardi is pretty well known for his uh, research in neuroscience and personality type. And he will tell you that it's not super direct in the sense that you can't type someone by putting them under a brain scan and knowing for sure, like, oh, because this is lit up, that means that they're this type because we are more than that. And I think we intuitively know that we're more than that. And that's why there could be sort of a resistance to people accepting what personality type even is. But there are patterns over time from your birth to now that will show you that there is a way in which you prefer to engage with reality and make judgments about reality. But at any given moment in time, you could be doing anything. And that's what I really want to get across here um, is that anybody can do anything and that um, it's more about the why of how you 
uh, approach things, why you did something, and then what you literally did. And also your cognitive personality type pattern. So since it is originating from the almost like the bias in the psyche, Carl Jung talks a lot about one-sidedness. And whenever he um, originally wrote about the um, eight cognitive functions in the book, Psychological Types, the whole idea is that um, humans are out of balance in eight different ways. And these are the ways in which our psyche and our ego can completely cling to one way, one mode of operation. But there are other modes of operation. And if you've been a human for long enough, you know that you've probably met someone that thinks about the world completely different from you. And you've probably had those conversations where it feels like you're seeing red and they're seeing blue. And it is very frustrating when you get into those sort of um, interactions with people because then you begin doubting your own perspective. It can be difficult to understand where they're coming from. And it feels like wires are crossing and there's just something that is not, it's just, you're not really speaking the same language. Um, these are the sort of situations that your personality type pattern can help you to understand. And, um, which is different from Enneagram, you know, because it's less about how you're, it's less about what you're doing. And so then, then how you're responding, which I've, I've already said that, um, it's less about what you're doing and more about why you did it. And so that's why it could be difficult to type other people correctly, because unless you know their why, unless you have seen them over time and seen not just how they are in one situation, but how they are amongst a variety of situations and how their conscious awareness have gr has grown, what areas of your psyche have been developing over the past couple of years? Um, what part of your psyche feels new to you and what part feels like something that you've known ever, um, ever since you could remember. So that sort of direction is, is really important. So I want to bring up a few things. So, oh, okay. What I was going to say earlier is that, okay, in 2021, as I was describing, there is a whole person, there's a, what am I saying? There's a whole community of people and a whole theory behind how these 16 types work and the MBTI itself is just a test in order to help you understand which of those types you are. There's also a lot of online tests that you might have seen and taken. Some of them might not be scientifically validated and but really even if it's not scientifically validated all of the tests out there that are testing for your personality type pattern, they're all self-report tests, which means that it would be impossible to fail because everything that everything that you are able to share with it and 
is the more you share, the more honest you are, then the more accurate your results are going to be. And so that's why um, Linda Behrens, who is um, a type expert who's written many books on types, on personality type, she takes her um, clients through the self-discovery process where it's more about helping you see these lenses of the psyche and understanding um, in which way you might have a natural bias. And so it's kind of like how um, you're right-handed or left-handed and you just naturally started picking up a pen or pencil with uh, one of those hands. It doesn't mean you can't use the other hand. It just means that that is what you naturally did. That's how it is with our psyche where you might naturally look at the world through the abstract um, patterns and concepts, which might make you an intuitive uh, type of person, or you might naturally be very grounded in physical reality and the five senses. Now, this is a very basic way of describing sensing and intuition. There's a, a lot more there. But the idea is that um, you might have picked up a pen with your right hand, um, you know, naturally, but then you might, might have encountered situations or been raised by people in which you had to learn, you know, to do the other sort of thing. Now that metaphor doesn't fully work because I'm talking about hands, but really, um, when it comes to our personality, there is so much pressure to develop other, um, other sides of ourselves because humans are very social creatures and we are very influenced by each other and we're very entangled with each other. And, you know, however you grew up, whoever raised you, it, uh, if they had a different type preference than you, then that is going to really influence the way that you experience your type. How much, uh, how, um, to what extent you are able to uh, follow your natural preference is going to vary based on how you're raised and um, whether or not you had opportunities to act out that preference is going to depend. And also how many challenges that you have faced that have pressured you uh, like a diamond to develop other skills. So I want to, so now that we're on the same page about that the tests are just there to help you reflect on what these preferences might be and that you don't even need to use a test. You could just use a self-discovery process essentially because the idea is for you to get clear around what comes natural to you. And nobody can tell you that but you. Um, someone like me who's been into this for a while can maybe point to things that I've observed about um, the different functions and the different types of people and how they might behave. But there's still it's still a big might. It's still a maybe, okay? There's nothing set in stone when you're trying to link behavior and traits with 
the the lens in which you see the world, which is kind of what your your type pattern is. So for example, me as an ENFJ, my dominant function is extroverted feeling. So my natural um, instinct that is core to myself is that I am very attuned with the emotional environment around me. And I naturally consider other people's feelings in any given moment. And I naturally seek to respond and connect um, at any given moment. And um, so that's an extroversion, that's um, extroversion focused on the world outside me. It's also feeling, which is focused on uh, values and ethics and making decisions coming from that. Um, I don't always instinctively do that as much now because there has been moments in my life in which I have had to understand that not only do other people not live their lives that way, some people are way more introverted and keep to themselves, but I've also understood the ways in which me doing that over and over to myself has uh, been self-destructive. And that's the whole point of Carl Jung's psychological type types is that the eight cognitive functions, our dominant function is our, our gift, but it's also a way in which if we could be self-destructive to ourselves. So for example, with extroverted feeling, that could be someone who um, spreads themselves too thin, isn't able to set boundaries, so focused on the connection between them and other people that they might find themselves getting lost in other people and um, not spending enough time introspecting on what they want from a given situation. Um, extroverted feeling dominance could be so understanding that they forget to ask themselves if this sort of transaction is cool with them and if they um, are still wanting to invest in this person or the situation. It can become so easy to just instinctively consider what everyone else is feeling and thinking and wanting to ride that wave. And so everyone's dominant function feels like this sort of wave that you're writing. And um, so, so yeah, so there's a lot of different books out there that you could read if you want to understand exactly how these functions work or to see examples of how they might work in someone else. And a lot of what I want to do in this podcast going forward, I really wanted there to be a lot of episodes that were kind of like setting the stage in case there were any beginners who were completely new to this. Um, so I'm trying to set the stage, but really I want to be interviewing people about their experiences so that we can begin to see the ways that the lens in which we see the world is impacting our everyday life. And we also can better engage with other people by understanding and acknowledging the lens in which they're seeing the world. So yeah, there's a lot. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like I kind of already said this, but just to distinguish that, um, I'm interested in the theory behind all of this. 
and I am, you know, less interested in the tests, but that's just me. You know, there are people out there that are really interested in um, figuring out a scientific approach to measuring this stuff where I'm a lot more interested in explaining the phenomenon and getting people together to share their experiences so that we can all um, dive deeper into the self-discovery process together and learn about ourselves. And I think that using personality type patterns and recognizing the patterns in ourselves and how it can evolve over time and you can allow um, more um, more functions into your consciousness by recognizing that they do exist, even though they might be in your shadow. Doing that over time can be really, really healing. And I think that that's the main value of all of this stuff. Um, I'm not as interested in um, proving um, once and for all that it exists because there's enough people out there that have found it to be a extremely transformational tool that um i'm and again like the official mbti it doesn't um like this tool is not meant for hiring it's not really meant for like diagnosing your personality for example it is like it's not a diagnostic tool it's a self-report tool, if that makes sense. So um, the test is just a way to, to think about, to start to think about uh, how, how you operate. So, so that's what my podcast is really about, is the self-discovery process, sharing some things that I've realized and wanting to have more people on uh, to discuss that. Um, and now I wanted to just share with you a few things about personality type. So uh, Linda Behrens, for example, who I mentioned was a type expert. She talks about personality type. She has her core approach where uh, the self, the core self is your innermost um, version of yourself that has been there for you since birth. And the idea is that whenever you're trying to figure out what pattern fits you the best, um, which of these 16 holistic type patterns um, feels the most you, the goal is that you're to be looking at your core self. But outside of that core self is your developed self, which is the part of you that you have adapted and grown into and your life experiences have shaped and molded you. So... If you think of your core self as like, as like a seed, because as living beings, all, all living systems um, abide by the same sort of rules. Um, Linda Behrens talks a lot about living systems, and it's one of the core principles for understanding what personality type is and how it works. So, for example, you might... Um, uh, if you plant a certain seed, then it's going to emerge in a certain way, but you can still shape the way that that plant or tree 
evolves based on the environment that it's around. And also its developmental level is going to change how it comes off. But also, even if you plant the same type of seed for the same type of tree, everyone is going to still look different. So that's the idea is that you could be the same personality type as someone else. You can have the same core seed or like the same core personality pattern, but your environments were completely different. You were shaped completely different. Your developmental um, paths and levels could be completely different. Everyone is unique, but there are these, um, like we can't be looking, we can't be looking at just the parts of the pattern if you want to see the full pattern. You can't be looking at just a snapshot of how someone appears to you right now. You have to see over time and also in what direction is their energy flowing now? So that's one way of looking at it. And then, so Linda talks about the core self and then the developed self. And then outside of that um, is the contextual self. And that's the self that is your current behavior based on whatever given situation and environment you're in. So that is taking your core um, urge and then uh, how you've adapted and grown based on your experience and choices even. And then the contextual self takes all of those and it's like, how do you use those skills and talents that you've developed in addition to your core urge and your core um, lenses that you look through and how do you respond to the given any given situation? Um, some situations lend to other functions more than others, I've noticed. Like, um, for example, I'm talking to you right now. I'm presenting. Um, I've, I've seen that there have been lots of introverts that are like on YouTube and they're talking and they're presenting and people will be like, well, you seem like an extrovert to me, not considering the fact that they are presenting, you know? I am trying to tell you right now some of the core um, things that you need to know about type. Um, I'm not sitting here musing about um, the future of type or I'm not, I'm not in my NI and TI mode. I am extroverting, you know, um, you know, I did my TI homework before I got here. You know, I mused with NI for like a few weeks actually about what I wanted this episode to look like. I didn't just jump right into it. Um, but yeah, so certain situations might call for certain functions. So that's another thing to consider. Um, and then I also wanna talk about the fact that the self is bigger than just your personality. And Carl Jung talks a lot about the individuation process, which is the process that in which your highest self emerges and comes into form. And I believe that knowing your personality pattern is one of the most crucial tools for allowing that to happen. It's not the only tool. Um, practically every self-help tool that is popular today could be used for that. Even Enneagram can be used for that. Um, there's also just like meditation, yoga, 
Um, human design is a popular personality sort of um, system that's coming up these days. Um, anything that you could do for self-discovery or healing can be really useful for that individuation process. However, um, your personality type pattern is going to literally show you the ways in which your psyche is already um, focused on and what you're not focused on. And so if you are trying to raise your consciousness, don't you want to know the areas of your consciousness in which are need to be raised? What areas in which are the volume is already on way too high? So if you're trying to, you know, be enlightened and be more woke and like raise your vibration or any of that, which I'm not mocking that by saying any of that. Like I'm, you know, I'm in that world myself. If you want to do that, it really, really, really helps like to know the ways in which your psyche is already going to be um, operating on autopilot. So for me, my inferior function is introverted thinking. And so, um, you know, that could be me not trusting my discernment. That could mean um, me thinking that having a judgment towards something was bad or mean. And so I will shove down my own judgments, which can then cause resentment. If we're not aware of the ways in which our shadowy functions are operating, then we're not going to understand the source of a lot of our emotions or problems, etc. Because I would be dealing with emotional resistance problems and I didn't understand that the source was actually because of repressed judgments that I wasn't allowing my introverted thinking perspective. What is my opinion? What does my discernment say on the situation? What sort of boundaries do I want to set? And what sort of distinguishments do I want to make between me and them and between this and that and what I think is true and what I don't think is true? If I'm not allowing that in, then it's going to be very difficult to understand some of the problems that I was continuing to manifest over and over. And that's kind of what we all do is that we're going to continue to manifest the same problem over and over until we can get, until we can shine a light on what that shadowy motive is and um, what area of our consciousness really deserves our attention and deserves our growth. So that's really what it's all about. And so I also wanted to share that um, each of us, each of the 16 types has eight, uh, has access to all eight of the cognitive functions, but to varying degrees. And a model that I really like is John Beebe's um, uh, eight function model. And so I'm gonna go through that briefly, especially if you're new, this will be really helpful. And if you're you know, not new or just moving forward, I'm gonna be referring to, you know, these functions pretty freely, like in so many of my videos I already have. Really, this is just my attempt to like get out of the weeds a little bit and get a little bit more down to earth. But anyway, so your dominant function, also um, John Beebe refers to as your hero or your heroine function. Uh, it also could be referred to as your superior function. 
you'll find when you're in the type community that different um, authors have different phrases for things. And so that's something that you're going to just have to get used to or, you know, think about it a lot until you figure out what uh, phrase you like the best, if you prefer dominant or superior. But anyway, uh, John Beebe talks about how this first function, um, basically the archetype of it. So John, Be John Beebe is a Jungian analyst. And so he looks at type through the lens of of young essentially um which all all of all everyone that's into the personality uh type patterns and the cognitive functions is in some way shape or form looking at it through uh young's lens but as a Jungian analyst he is really well versed in the way that um young would think about archetypes and complexes and you know the psyche in general so this is a helpful model for understanding that um, the archetype of the hero or the heroine, there's this one type of your consciousness that you are always basically seeing as the savior. And it's your autopilot. It's completely on autopilot. You just naturally kind of idolize it. Um, so that's your dominant function. And then your second function or your auxiliary function, John Beebe calls the parent function or the father or mother, depending on um, gender expression. Um, it can, you know, it can show up in, in the whole spectrum of your of gender expression. This is the function in which is supportive of the hero. And it's supportive in general to the world around you. It kind of manifests as this parental figure. And then the, the third function is um, the tertiary function or that sort of inner child or son or daughter. So in your psyche, this is the part of you that is basically a 10-year-old forever. And it's, it's fun. It's playful. You might take on a little bit too much responsibility and fall flat, or you might be afraid to, to try these sort of things. Um, for me, my, um, my tertiary function is extroverted sensing and I am afraid of zip lining. It's just kind of an example, um, experiences in the sensory world. For me, it could feel like play. And so maybe I can overdo it and not realize the impact but I also could underdo it and be kind of a scaredy cat about things. So we all have that in our psyche and then our inferior function where uh, John Beebe would say is the, um, the archetype of the anima or animus, which can also be seen as the other side of the coin of your dominant function. Um, this function is opposite to um, your dominant. So, so for me, it's extroverted feeling for my dominant and then introverted thinking for my inferior. They are different orientations. One will be extroverted and one introverted. And then they're going to be focused on the different, uh, the, what am I trying to say? A different function. You, you get it. If you don't get it, message me and I'll explain. But, um, this 
I like to refer to this function as like the diamond in the rough. And um, I know Marie-Louise von Franz, who was a friend of Jung's and um, studied under him, talked about the inferior function as being kind of like part conscious, part unconscious. And so I also like to think about it as the gateway to the unconscious. Um, and that's why it's that diamond in the rough. It is like a part of you that if you can um, allow, it can almost be like, it can almost give you like scuba diving gear that can help you go into the depths of your deeper shadows, the other four functions. And it can keep you grounded in uh, real life or in your actual life as well. Because typically if it doesn't, if you are not aware of it, which I mean, we're not like, this is like a really, really rough spot for us. This is the part that really triggers us and other people. And it's something that we would love to be more conscious of, or maybe it's, it's also referred to as aspirational in nature. Um, we can aspire to be better at this function than we are. There's just something that is very shadowy about this function, but it's also within reach. So that's kind of that dynamic. And then, so those top four functions, these are all these complexes that our ego is in harmony with and our ego identifies with and attaches with. But then the other four functions, um, these are in the shadow. And um, uh, the sixth function, uh, John Beebe talks about as the opposing function. It's the same function type, but the opposite attitude to our dominant. And it can kind of be seen as, um, you know, something that you know you're opposed to i also i i refer to this as the evil twin function because i feel like it can sometimes seem when you're dealing with this function like there's a devil and an angel on your shoulder and that it might feel like the devil on your shoulder that is like kind of coming at life and judging things very similarly to your dominant function but in an opposite orientation. So for me as an extroverted feeler, my opposite function is um, introverted feeling. And so, yeah, that, that, that's a trippy sort of shadowy function because I feel like it's one that comes up a lot. If you are, if you're triggered by something, it might be something that you project onto others more often. Um, it comes up a lot as a shadow um, compared to maybe other shadows. So, and then we have the sixth function, which BB refers to as the Senex or the witch or the critical parent. It is opposite of the auxiliary. So for me, I view this function as something that we have access to, but we might not take seriously. So with the critical parent, it's it's there it's it's present um you might act out like a critical parent with this function to others and kind of enforce it um rather than a more supportive you could do it parent this would be the part of you that is 
trying to keep others in check. Um, so for me, that function would be extroverted intuiting. So if people are not really open to all the possibilities, I might check them on that. But I also might check other, like I might check NE users on their overabundance of um, all the possibilities. And I might be critical of that and want them to narrow it down and be more clear. So that's how that could show up. And then perhaps the most challenging function, in my opinion, is the seventh function or the trickster, as BB calls it. it. It is the opposite attitude from the tertiary. And I also refer, I refer to this one as the mental blind spot. A lot of people in the type community will like talk about this as a blind spot because it's basically the part of your psyche that you um, notice um, the least. And so that's why it's kind of referred to as the tricksters. It can kind of sneak up on you um, in, in some ways, um, maybe because you're not paying attention to it. So that is something to be aware of. But as far as shadow development, I wouldn't recommend just going straight to the trickster and trying to be super aware of that because if you flow with the order of your natural stack, then you'll start to compensate for your weaknesses and uh, balance those things out a little bit better. But that's definitely a blind spot to be aware of and could be a really helpful function to look at if you're not sure what your type is. And if you're in between just a couple letters, I feel like that's a good one because at least for me, the experience of um, understanding that function, it's sort of like, I don't understand anything about this. It seems completely alien to me because I'm just so not aware of it. So, and then we have the eighth function, which is um, as BB calls the demonic function. It's the opposite attitude of the inferior. So, and it is like, the same orientation as your dominant and a different function. So for me as an extroverted feeler, my uh, demonic function is extroverted thinking. So this function, it might feel like, like if you think about the dominant as a protagonist, I also like to think about the eighth function as the antagonist. So different from an evil twin in the sense that the evil twin might feel more on your level or you might feel kind of this trippy like, oh my God, we're kind of alike except for that you're doing everything wrong. Um, the demon or the demonic function, it's like um, everything that you're not and you might even feel like your hero is trying to destroy this sort of um this sort of demonic function. But what you might not realize is the ways in which you are using this function in a demonic way. So for example, I, as an extroverted feeling type, I'm gonna be really focused on the ways in which I'm impacting the external world emotionally. And I'm gonna be so focused on that and I'm gonna be banging my head against the external world over and over and over again that I'm not gonna necessarily realize the sort of logical um, impact that I'm leaving in the sort of, um, I'm not going to notice, I guess, the crumbs I leave along the way in the, in the logic, in the external logic. So that's one way of looking at it. 
Um, and so I find that it's really helpful to sort of parallel what your dominant function is from the demonic or the eighth function perspective, because it helps really put things in check. Because if you could understand everything that's wrong about this function, and then you can parallel it to your function, recognize that you're doing a lot of the same things just in a different way, then it can be really helpful for realizing how crazy you are. And we all kind of are. So I hope that this was a good introduction to what is personality type. I'm definitely gonna be making a lot more episodes about each of these uh, function slots and also more in depth about what the eight cognitive functions are. Um, and having more people on to just interview. So if there's anything that you would like to know more about, if you have any um, recommendations, please let me know. And thank you for listening to Psyche Design.